Welcome back, high school hockey fans, for another edition of This Week in Wisconsin Prep Hockey as it's uh, the season's over now. Uh, the state tournament's done and champions have been crowned, and we're going to talk about the state tournament as uh, we're going to go back and talk about the championship games and uh, all tournament teams. We'll talk about that and going to go ahead and open it up first. Let's go to the D2 championship game. Um a very good game, a very close game in the end, but uh, the Rice Lake Warriors end up being the state champions, denying Fond du Lac Springs of a three-peat. That is correct, MJ. They did deny Springs of being three-peats uh, in the first three seasons of Division Three hockey. Um, it, was a, it was a really good game. It was really even overall. Um, never, neither team really looked like they had an upper hand on the other, other than like the last four to five minutes of the game Springs just went full on crazy offense mode and uh, threw everything, but the kitchen sink at rice Lake, they got a goal out of it, um, but not the two that they needed to, to tie it. Um, interesting thing about this game is that, uh, Rice Lake scored 26 seconds into the first period. In the second period, Springs came out and scored 14 seconds into the period. And then in the third period, Rice Lake came out again and scored 33 seconds into the period. Um, not something you you commonly see. Usually those goals in the first and last minute of a period are kind of killers, but they didn't really seem to have that kind of effect on the game, but they it was just kind of weird that they they, they kept happening. Yeah, that is kind of where the tide turned. I mean, Rice Lake scored 33 seconds into the third period, but they also scored with less than a minute to go at the end of the second period. So that was really two goals in about a minute and a half. Um, and one of those goals, uh, the last one, uh, the one that will go down uh, in infamy and, and history books and uh, sports center highlight clips, is the, the fake Michigan goal uh, scored by Cole Fenske and set up by Adam Tim. Yeah, uh, Adam Tim had the puck uh, low. Uh, it was They were on a power play. Uh, he had it down low uh, beneath the goal line. He went to go around the net, stopped and cut back, and then started the Michigan, you know, put the puck up on your stick and reach it up. And uh, as he was doing that, Fenske was cutting back across uh, behind the net there and Tim left him the puck the defenseman and the goaltender both thought uh, that Tim was going to be going for the Michigan that you can see the defenseman dive down at Tim as Fenske skates by he's a right-handed shot grabs the puck and on his forehand just wraps it around into the net probably one of the as far as he's concerned one of the easier wraparound goals he's ever had because uh, everybody was focused on, on Adam Tim on the other side of the net uh, pretending to do the the Michigan that he actually tried to do in the in the opening round game against Lakeland. So you think you think the uh, attempted Michigan play in the opening round was a setup, put it in their heads that he's going to try the Michigan in the championship game. Well, I had heard afterwards that they had been working on this specific play for like four to six weeks, and they just needed a time to do it, and they picked a time. Um, but well, Co that... Coach Engel did put uh, he on, on his uh, Facebook thing. He did put 
uh, a clip of this goal and a clip of them at practice doing this same drill. So they, yeah, they, they, they had practiced this and apparently they were saving it for this game. And, and what I heard on just on social media is that um, Tim had gone for the Michigan before in the season. Uh, whether or not there's a reputation for that, I don't know. But I had heard that was that the one in the in the semifinal against Lakeland was not his first attempt. So if that's if that reputation is out there and that's in your heads, that that even it plays into it. And uh, you know another interesting thing about that, you know, they were on the power play there. Both those goals, the one at the end of the second period and the start of the third period, were both power play goals. Uh, a couple untimely penalties for Springs, but Josh Engel, professional defenseman. Uh, ran five forwards on his power play. Uh, I can't, I don't know that I've seen, I mean, I four forwards and a defenseman you see pretty often, but five forwards on your power play is that's a, that's all out. Um, you know, it might come down to the fact that his defensemen are defensemen like he was, um, you know, four year starter at, at Wisconsin Engel did not have a lot of points. Um, he had, he had a lot of penalty minutes, and he had a lot of blocked <laughs> shots, but he was he was a defensive defenseman first. And um, like Nathan Carroll, uh, who ended up being first team uh, all tournament, he is a defensive defenseman. Um, Jake Engerbretson, uh, he had three assists on the year. Um, they both had you know assists uh, in the in the championship game, but they were defensive defensemen. So that might be why, but yeah, I just thought it was interesting that Josh Engel professional defenseman had five forwards on his power play. And, and we, well, we, we did get a chance to speak to uh, Nathan Carroll and Jake Ingebrigtsen. Um, well, we'd asked to speak with Nathan Carroll, but he brought along Ingebrigtsen to interpret for him. Um, Cause you know, Nathan <laughs> Carroll you know, he came up there and, you know, grunted a few times and um, well, I, big I got, guy. I got, um, he, he brought he brought Ingebrigtsen along to extend the interview and kind of flesh out uh, the details that he didn't want to give us in his own uh, yes or no type answers. <laughs> well, I got the I got the uh, text from uh, Carol's aunt, who I happen to know. Um, she says, "Can he bring a friend?" <laughs> <laughs> what would I yeah. have said? <laughs> right. He, well, he, I mean, Ingebrigtsen said right away when he came. Yeah. Yeah, I came here to do most of the talking for him. <laughs> well, you know, some people just don't like don't like being interviewed. We watched, uh, we'll get to it later, but we watched the the between periods interview that the WIA broadcast did with um, Davis Drewiski in the championship game, and you know they were like trying to you know get him to give something away, and he absolutely would not. Um, tell you what his team was doing or not doing or yeah he just some you know some people just when it comes to the interview they don't they don't want to they don't really want to give anything away we're going to call him davis belichick now (sighs) yeah so it it was nice it was nice of nathan carroll to bring an interpreter with him so it worked out well anyway I, i guess we do have to mention and this is not to take anything away uh from rice lake and from their win um, you just kind of have to wonder if, uh, Talon Blank would have made a difference in this game as Talon Blank has made a difference in most games that he's played in, but he, he was not available, uh, for final X Springs. And that's, that's part of 
that's part of hockey. That's part of sports uh, injuries and stuff happen. Um, you know, you don't always get to put everybody out there that you want. Um, but I, I think it just does bear mentioning anyway, that, that, uh, you know, we, we talked about, you know, Springs being a one line team while well, one third of that line wasn't there. Well, and I think with him there, with or without him there, I think if these two teams played 10 times, they'd probably be five and five. They were that even. Um, yeah. Uh, Springs offensively is a one-line team. Rice Lake offensively is a two-line team. Uh, and I think, you know, over the 10 games, I think they'd even out pretty well. Um, that was one of the better state finals I've seen in a while. Like we've seen one goal games in a state final fairly recently, um, but sometimes it's because there's a goalie standing on his head or, and, you know, stuff like that. But this was just two teams that are truly, truly even and balanced um, going head to head. It was, it was, it was a really fun game to watch. Yeah. And, and Rice Lake being, you know, strong with their strong defensive defensemen. I mean, they put their focus on stopping Dane Dinovich. Dianovich, Dinovich, you know, they mean, he had an assist um, in the game. They, they, they basically took him out of the game. You, you guys know from the past years, being able to talk to coach Walt and stuff that they, they're not going to make excuses. They're just going to give, you know, props to a rice Lake for earning and winning this championship. And, you know, as you said, burglar, you know, well, it would have been great to see Talon Blank playing in the game. They understand, you know, those, those are the breaks that happen. And I'm sure the Ledgers are the first ones that would, would not be using that as an excuse. Right. And, oh, and what, yeah, one other thing I just noticed here, that you, know, you mentioned that what well, we talked about, the, the goal at the end of the second period, the beginning of the fir- third period, you know, two power play goals. Those were the only penalties Springs took. In the game, there were there were there were only three penalties in the game, and those two right those two right at the end of the second period cost them, and well the other one was actually right well one was near the end and that cost them, then one after that that goal was scored and that cost them again. So only two penalties and Rice Lake took advantage of both of them. I guess that's why you put five forwards out on the power play. <laughs> well, well, Junior. Um... Why don't you go ahead and cover the uh, Division II All-Tournament team there? Sure. Um, This year, Wisconsin Prep Hockey, we invited the coaches in that particular division, so the the four coaches for Springs, Rice Lake, Baldwin-Woodville, and Lakeland, uh, to submit their votes. And we also invited um, other media people who are going to be at the whole tournament. Um, you know, if you were there to broadcast your team's game and that's all you saw, then we didn't send you an invite. But if, if you were there for the whole show and we knew you were there for the whole show, then we invited them. So I tabulated all the results and uh, Cole Fenske was the leading vote getter uh, and is named tournament MVP for D2. Uh, the rest of the first team uh, forwards are Jace Fitzgerald of Wrights Lake and Jonathan Korb of St. Mary's Springs. Uh, defense is Ian Sobel from St. Mary's Springs, Nathan Carroll from Rice Lake, and goalie is Ian Krantz from Rice Lake. Uh, second team forwards are Adam Tim of Rice Lake, Josh Austin of Springs, Dayton Dianovich of Springs. Uh, defense, Jake Engerbritson of Rice Lake and Connor Schramm of Springs, and goalie is Hayden Rising of Springs. And then honorable mention is Cooper Fink of Lakeland 
and Sam Sikora of Baldwin Woodville. Those are the forwards. And on defense, it's Blake Locken of Baldwin Woodville, Cody Olson, Cody Olson and Teague Wagner of Lakeland, and Colin King of St. Mary Springs. And honorable mention goalie is Dominic Height of Baldwin Woodville. And Jonathan Korb making first team is kind of a thing. Um, he's a, a grad year 2023, so he's a junior this year. Um, during the regular season, he had three goals and seven assists. During the state tournament, he had three goals and two assists. And all three of his goals were basically dirty in front of the net goals. Um, having a nose for the puck, finding the puck in front of the net and putting it in. Um, it, you know, that's kind of that's kind of cool to see filling in on that first line for Talon Blank. Uh, he made the most of that opportunity. Um, and, you know, you, one would assume that he'll be on their their first line with Talon Blank next year with Dianovich and Josh Austin uh, graduating. Um, but, yeah, he showed he's got a nice nose for the puck. He played really well with with. Um, Austin and Janovich and he brought um, he's not huge but I think he brought a little more physicality physicality to that line than they had before um, certainly more than than, than Talon Blank. Talon Blank is a uh, weave around you kind of player or as Jonathan Corb uh, put a little shoulder into you Well is it true for Rice Lake that uh, blondes have more fun? It must be they need to fix whatever their water problem is up there. <laughs> All right. Well, there's a rundown on D2. Let's head over to the girls' championship game. Um, Central Wisconsin Storm taking on, on Alaska Hilltoppers. And the Storm, such a defensive team. They don't score much, but they don't give up much. And... Um, Five was more than enough for them to win over uh, on Alaska. Five nothing in the championship game. Yeah, and you know we've talked about how the Storm are an aggressive team, and you saw that in a couple ways in this one. Uh, one was um, Federici's shorthanded goal, the Storm's second goal of the first period, um, playing aggressively in the offensive zone, picked a pocket, walked in, and shot up in the blocker side corner. And then uh, the Storms parade to the penalty box, uh, especially in the second period where they took five penalties, high-sticking, interference, cross-checking, and tripping. Uh, they had a cross-check in the first period and a hooking in the third period. So six power plays they gave on Alaska in that one. And, um, you know, owing to their defense, they kept on Alaska out of the net on all of them, um, which is uh, pretty impressive. On Alaska's best chance on the power play, uh, came on their power play in the third period. They got several shots on that one. Uh, for that one, um, Drew Sabatke was in the net. And obviously when your top defenseman is in the in, in the box, um, you're going to get more chances on the power play. And that happened. But uh, Lemke and the Storm were able to, to keep them out of the net. Uh, the biggest surprise was the five goals. Uh, three of them by uh, Sammy Federici and then two by Gabby Hauser, uh, one of them which was an empty netter. But uh, that was that was pretty good. The, the storm showed a lot more offense in the tournament than I would have expected. Uh, earlier in the season, they played on Alaska to a three-two overtime win, and I believe their game against the Metro Lynx earlier in the season was a two-to-one win. 
Uh, they come down to state and beat them four to one and five to nothing. Generally speaking, when you face those teams a second time, things actually get tighter defensively, not wider open offensively. So um, I think the storm really stepped up at the state tournament in a way that the other three teams really didn't. Uh, they picked up their game. I, I, th- I think I think both teams played very good defense. And if you look at the number of shots on goal, um, there were shots that were blocked. There were just there weren't a whole lot of chances. I, I think the biggest difference was was actually Sammy Federici. Just she was determined. I mean, the first goal. Um, I mean, she picked up in the picked up the puck in the corner and forced her way to the front of the net put a backhand on net that was stopped. She reached back and got her own rebound and put that in. I mean, she was just, she was on a mission. Um, you know, there were there, they, they did an interview with her after the game on, on, on the local uh, TV channel up here. And she said, you know, she, 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 she felt that she left everything she had out on the ice. I mean, she put everything she had into that game and it showed, I mean, she, she, she dominated that game. I mean, I don't know that central Wisconsin dumping me, but when she got the puck, she went to the net and she went to the net hard and, you know, she scored three times and uh, her team won. So. I hadn't seen her at all. I've heard her heard about her on Twitter, uh, the storms Twitter feed, but boy, seeing her in person, she's, she's impressive. Well, I, one of the funniest things I, I think came out of this was uh, on our Facebook page and, and everything. And I think the comment come out that uh, MJ had picked on Alaska and none of the rest of us had picked the storm. Our teams had been eliminated, but uh, there was a comment by the, by CW storm handle there saying uh, we'd like to have a word. And, you know, I think, I think they got the final word on us with the, you know, showing they are the state champions and, and they, they, they showed why they are. Since I took, I took on Alaska and you guys didn't take the storm. Who did you pick? Fox cities? Burglar picked Fox cities. Dell and I picked the Metro links. Okay. So the storm was able to ha- hand it to us twice. They, they got their yeah. win over the links and then they came in and won the state title. Yeah, it was a it was pretty impressive. Kind of, even even when Chloe kind of went, if he was under me. pressure. Why is it rude? Well, because I don't like being proven wrong. <laughs> You're lucky they didn't take you back behind the woodshed. Um you, you, well, a fair thing- number a fair number of the shots that Lemke stopped were buried in her chest. But as Kirk Dobbinspeck said, when because um, he was up in the in the booth with us for the for the D one game, when a bunch of shots are going into the goalie's chest, that means the goalie's in the right spot. Uh, they're where they're supposed to be. Um, and it was kind of interesting watching that next game with him because every time a goal was scored, he would tell us what the goalie did wrong, too far out or not far, no, too too deep, too deep, not square. You know, you just. <laughs> It was kind of funny, but Lemke, I mean, a lot of shots buried in her chest because she was where she was supposed to be, but she made a couple of really nice pad saves uh, in the third period. And one other thing that I thought that the storm did very well is um, all season long, you know, we've heard about Kia uh, Bronston and, and deservedly so for on Alaska. She's had a good season. Um, 
I honestly don't think she had that many shots on goal. They, they kept the pressure on her and kept forcing her to the outside. Uh, the defender for on Alaska, uh, I think it's Jenna Hames. Yes. Uh, she, uh, you know, she tried to make things happen. Uh, but, you know, on Alaska did a good job of forcing turnovers off of her. I mean, not on Alaska, but uh, uh, the storm forcing her into turnovers, trying to bring the puck up. And, you know, the storm did an excellent job with their defense. Yep. And uh, the WIAA statistician actually tracks, tracks shots by player. Um, they do it whenever they assign a shot, they assign it to a player. And uh, Kaya Bronston took three shots in the game, uh, one in the second period and two in the third that actually made it through to the net. Uh, for saves. Uh, so three of their 16, 16. Or, yeah, were hers. Whereas for the storm of their 13 shots, seven of them belonged to Sammy Federici. She took more than half the team's shots, uh, which is probably how she ended up with a hat trick. Yeah, the girl's but, money, no doubt about that. Gabby Hauser took two shots and scored two goals. <sighs> That's efficiency. That is efficiency. You, you could hardly be more efficient. <laughs> Junior, the girls uh, all-tournament team, how'd that break down? Sure. Uh, same people voting. Well, slightly different media people because different people were there for the different specific tournaments. But uh, when it was all said and done, uh, Sammy Federici and Drew Sabatki for the Storm share uh, co-MVP honors as the highest vote getters. It was a tie. Uh, the other forwards uh, besides Federici were Anna Szymanski of uh, Onalaska and Gabby Huser of the Storm. And uh, Jaden Hannes of Onalaska was the other defenseman. Uh, goalie Chloe Lemke was the first team goalie. Uh, second team, Kaya Bronson, Onalaska, Logan Crawford of the Storm, Hannah Bauman of the Storm. Uh, defense, Ava Rohde of the Storm and Lydia Walls of Onalaska. And second team goalie was actually Claire Calms of the Storm since they each played a game and did very well. Uh, honorable mention forwards were Kaya Bice of Madison Metro, Michaela Zillish of Fox Cities, Tessa Deal of Onalaska, Grace Rentmeester of Fox Cities, uh, Gabby Duvere of The Storm. Uh, honorable mention defense were Elena Tauscher of Onalaska. I wonder if she's related to Mark Tauscher. Uh, Abigail uh, Dean of Central Wisconsin and Maddie Dupuis of Central Wisconsin. And then the uh, honorable mention goalie was Diana Hansen of Onalaska. D1 game. My, oh my. I'll tell you what. The Hudson Raiders. What do you say, guys? I mean, crying out loud. They, uh, yeah, Edgewood got two goals on them, but boy, you talk about relentless on a team. Man, they, they just kept coming and coming and coming. They just didn't let up. Well, defensively, it took Hudson five minutes to get up to speed with Edgewood. Um, 12 minutes into the game, shots were six to one in favor of Edgewood. Edgewood ended the game with 14 shots, which means over the next 46 minutes, they took eight shots after getting six in the first five. Uh, it took five minutes for Hudson's defense to catch up to Edgewood. Mm -hmm. And it took almost the entire first period for their offense to catch up. Uh, Hudson only took three shots in the first period. 
but once they did, um, it was really their game to lose. I mean, Edgewood kept it close on the scoreboard, but other than that first period, Hudson really controlled uh, controlled the play. Um, Edgewood's two goals were both really well executed, good goals, but Hudson really started taking it to him after that, after the first period ended. Um, for the first five minutes of that first period, I'm like, ooh, Kirk might be right and we might be wrong. Um, because uh, he thought Edgewood had a pretty good chance, and they did. But uh, once Hudson got up to speed, it, it was a different hockey game. And then those two late goals in the second period really, really sealed the deal. As um, Coach Rothering said, both to us and to the the Wisconsin State Journal, uh, yeah, once Hudson went up four to two, he knew it was going to be tough because you you can't chase Hudson. Uh, he was, you know, he was most disappointed that in that offense that the, the, the Crusaders put up in the first period that they didn't score because he thinks playing with a lead. And I agree playing with a lead, this would have been a much different game. Uh, but once they, once they fell behind Hudson, it's not a team you can chase. No. And we, we had talked after the, the first game that Hudson does all of the safe plays. Uh, they make the short passes. There were a couple of times where I thought, you know, in their own defensive zone, you know, they had like the far wings open, but it's like, nah, there's somebody over there. I'm not going to risk it. And, and as Bill had mentioned in the first game, they had never, they're entering the zone. Like they're, if, if they had a clear entry into the zone, they took it. If there was a defenseman challenging them, they dumped it and went after it. Um, with 20 seconds left in the first period, it's like they threw that out the window. Um, they made a long stretch pass from the middle of their own zone straight up the ice uh to Matthew Maurer who was at the blue line I mean at the far blue line um they hadn't done that all game and Matthew Maurer came in and instead of just dumping the puck he actually made a move to get around the defenseman and drew him wide uh two things that hadn't happened in you know four periods and then you know once he got him wide he just made a beautiful drop pass uh and Kokendorfer you know, was following him in and, you know, and shot and scored the first goal with, you know, 20 seconds left in the period. It's like, you hate getting, I mean, you hate getting scored on the last minute of a period. I mean, it's one thing to, you know, to go into the, I'm sure, you know, coach father, you know, God, we threw everything at him. We did everything, but score that period. Everything was great. And then in like 20, uh, the 20 seconds before the horn sounds, he's got to change his whole, intermission speech because now we just got scored on um but yeah i mean hudson broke broke their pattern you know twice on that one play to get that first goal um and after that it was right back to you know safe pass coming out of the zone you know safe entry into the zone make sure we get the puck deep um i think somebody had somebody had counted like four uh four little chips off the boards. The defenseman got it, the wing was coming, he chipped it off the boards. It went to their wing, their defense was there, he chipped it off the boards. You know, the center got it neutral and he chipped it off the boards. Just all the way down the ice, just taking the safe, sure play, no gambles. Yeah, and, you know, there was that wild and wacky uh, period where they they scored, you know, each team traded goals uh, for about, there were like four goals in four minutes, um, you know, in the middle of that second period. Well, there was three uh, yeah, goals once, in 26 once seconds. Two goal lead. It was just shut them down. I mean, 
Edgewood got two shots in the third period. Ooh. Yeah, like that, and that's that's the thing where Coach Rothering said you can't chase Hudson because they can clamp down like that. Yeah, if wanna, they don't have to score, and their mission is just all they have to do is not let you score, they can do that. We'll do it all yes. day. Uh, do you remember the 2020 state tournament, the girls' state tournament, Dell, um, when we were going to interview Karen by Dietz, uh, but she had to leave because her son had the Bantam state tournament? Yeah. Well, his name is Brody, and uh, he's uh, on Hudson, and he's the one who sent that stretch pass up to, to Matthew Maurer uh, in the first period to set up that goal with uh, Zach Kalkendorfer. And, and I actually, no, I, I don't remember that because that 2020 was when I was so sick. Oh, God, and then I, sick. I, I sp- and I spread it around to everybody else. And spread it to the rest of the world at that point. You know, you know, guys, the one thing I thought that was key in the Hudson Edgewood game is Hudson comes in one nothing, second period. Edgewood comes back and scores. Tie game. Hudson would score right again immediately. You know, two one. Edgewood comes right back, scores again. They they always seem to have an answer for what Edgewood would do. They uh, found ways to get pucks to the net. I mean, Edge Edgewood's a deep team. Their their defense and offense is very very good, and they're they're one of the deeper teams. But I mean, Hudson just found ways to get it done, and I, I think. I, I agree Hudson, with Berger. Hudson they just, just over time, they, they just wear just you safe. out. I think, yeah. you know, the, I think the thing is, is like uh, Junior was saying, you know, that first, you know, part of the first period when you saw all those shots from Edgewood, you thought, oh, this, this game's going to be tight all the way through. But as you started looking, especially, you know, once you got halfway through that second period, J.J. Wybush, I mean, all year long, I've seen how fast he is being able to be at a couple of their games and seeing them on the ice. And, of course, we've seen articles about Cody Menzel. Hudson was able to eliminate the look of their speed. They were able to ma- match it and keep them off of being able to get to the net and everything. And once you took that speed advantage away, you know, that – changes the momentum of a game well menzel's goal in the second period the third goal in that 26 second span um that was a speed goal that was the only time all day that somebody got behind hudson's defense and he just barely got behind the defense but he got behind him enough and then he managed to uh from fairly close to the net put a backhand up into the top of the net um which is is not easy to do um, that was a speed goal. And that, yeah, that was the only time I think they got behind Hudson's defense in the first period. They had a beautiful one-timer chance, um, off the stick of JJ Weebush, but, uh, Aiden Tepperang was able to, to corral that one. Uh, that was probably their best scoring opportunity in the first period. And it was really early. Um, but yeah, then once, I mean, the shots weren't that, that bad, but eventually time of possession was heavily skewed in Hudson's favor. Yes. Even if they weren't getting much. shots on goal. You know, we, we, about- we didn't talk much after the first game about uh, uh, Hudson's goalie, Aiden Temperang. But I mean, all the pressure that, that you had just mentioned that, you know, 
that uh, Edgewood had put on that first period, it was Tepperang that, you know, kept it scoreless. It kept them from scoring in that first period. Because, you know, the like you said, the defense took a while to catch up. But uh, I don't think we'd given enough uh, credit to Tepperang up until that point. Great. Well, well I mean, he he... I don't mean any offense to university school, but he didn't have to even play in that game. Oh God, he was back there doing, doing drills on his own, just trying to well, stay warm and keep busy. Cold. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, the one goal that stands out to me in this game though, was the goal by Carter Mears at 1505 of the second, where he actually missed on the shot in front of the net. And it goes over to the side, and he ends up putting it up in it. And from yeah, he and left. he and another Hudson forward uh, entered the zone on a I don't remember I think it was a two on one, and they crisscrossed. And as soon as they crossed each other, Mears went for the shot, and he whiffed on it, and it dribbled off, you know, towards the the faceoff circle. And he managed to catch up to it, and you know, actually fire the shot and put it up in the corner where he wanted it in the first place. I think that's the one I used as the. Uh cover photo that shot because you can just see it right up in the corner over the goalie shoulder but what I, when I was when I was uh, Brett and Dell took a lot of pictures of that game and when I'm you know I always look at the the pictures there's always certain things that stand out and it was um the Hudson defenseman, I mean, uh, Giblin is in like, you know, a, you know, half of the pictures, uh, Dietz is in the pictures. Um, what's, uh, Ben Parent, number 12 is in the pictures and, and little Bobby Breckenmeyer, he's in like all these pictures. It's these, these, these four Hudson defensemen. It's just that they're, when they're out there, they're just cut, they're everywhere covering the ice. Um, they're always in there, you know, there's always one or two of them. If, if the puck is there, they are there. Well, like I worked in little Bobby Breckenmeyer. Yes. <laughs> Junior division one all tournament team is. Uh, the leading vote getter and D1 tournament MVP is Max Giblin. Uh, thankfully, we don't actually like make hardware for these awards because his shelf is full enough. Um, uh, first team forwards are Matthew Maurer of Hudson, Cody Menzel of Edgewood, and Carter Mears of Hudson. Uh, defense besides Giblin is Brody Dietz of Hudson, who's only a sophomore. And then goalie Aiden Tepperang of Hudson is the first team. Second team forwards are JJ Wiebush of Edgewood, uh, Zach Cockendorfer of Hudson, Harry Ross of Hudson. Uh, defense, uh, Parker Mern of Edgewood, Brecken Meyer of Hudson, Michael McIntyre of Notre Dame. Uh, and goalies, uh, second team, are Michael Polston of University School and Rowan White of Edgewood. And honorable mention forwards are Hunter Bill of Notre Dame, Aiden Lenz of Edgewood, Alex Potratz of Hudson, Carson Strapon of Hudson, and Ben Parent of Hudson is honorable mention defense. So all four of Hudson's first two D pairs uh, made the all-tournament team, shocking nobody. Um, that's Pretty incredible. Yeah, that's a pretty pretty good group that uh, Coach Drewiski and crew have assembled there in Hudson. Somebody asked me the other day, 
Is Hudson the new superior of yesteryear? Are they are they going to be the one? You know, in in this you know twenty first century, are they going to be the one that's going to state all the time, winning championships? You know, going deep into the state tournament. I guess it's a good question. I I believe I don't. I'll go look it up here quick. I mean, they got four championships in six years. Yeah, they have four of the last six. Um, that's pretty good. And the year before that, they played in the final against Appleton United. Mm. So they've got four of the last six and they've played in five of the last seven finals. Um, that's pretty tough to beat. No, how many how many championships they have all together? Six? I believe that is correct. They're still a ways from superior, but boy, they are they are uh climbing up the ladder, no doubt about that. Um what makes what makes them different from, from everybody else? I think one thing you have to look at is numbers relative to the size of place that you are. Um, Hudson student body is about 1700 students, which puts them ignoring the, the various co-ops and stuff as the single school teams puts them solidly in the middle of the D1 teams. They're not as big as 2500 Sun Prairie or 2500 Middleton, but they're not as small as 1200 Superior or 1300 Wausau West or 1300 Wanakee. They're right in the middle, but they have consistently, like they called this a down year in Hudson Youth Hockey because they only had two Bantam teams. Mm. But next year they will have three Bantam teams again. And Hudson Youth Hockey only feeds one school. So there's just a huge wealth of talent there that goes to one place and you know hudson's only twelve thousand people um you know the outlying areas is what gets their school up to 1700 because if it was just hudson um you know city proper it'd probably be closer to 1200 but um you know there they have there's just depth of a giant a large depth of talent in their youth program that's only feeding one high school and if you look, you look at their numbers and you'd, you'd, you'd like to extrapolate it to larger cities, but that doesn't really work because there's only so much ice time you have and so many rinks you have. But, you know, Eau Claire, they put together three Bantam teams most years, but they're feeding Eau Claire Memorial, Eau Claire North, and the Regis Altoona McDonald Co-op. Well, and I always like to mention... The difference being... Eau Claire has 65,000 people in it. Hudson has 12. So, I mean, that's why you can't extrapolate out. You know, based on that, Eau Claire should have like eight Bantam teams, you know, compared to Hudson. But, you know, you don't have ice time for that. That doesn't work. Well, I always like to differentiate between students, just general students and athletes, and in particular, uh, blue chip athletes. Um, every, every, you know, there are only so many, whatever percentage you want to call them of, you know, top blue chip athletes. This, this kid could be good at any sport he plays, um, you know, good at football, good at baseball, basketball, 
everybody knows these, you know, top athletes. And the key to having a successful hockey program is getting those kids to play hockey. Um, that's why Eagle River, I mean, Northland Pines, you know, small town, 1,200 people, you know, surrounding area and stuff, but still small. But except possibly for this year, I think some of them ended up playing basketball. But generally speaking, all of the top athletes in Northland Pines play hockey. When I was a kid in Superior, if you wanted to make a name for yourself, you played hockey. If you wanted to be recognized in town, got free drinks in all the bars, you played hockey. Um, <laughs> Drinking age was 18 then. Children. Yes, it yeah. was. <laughs> I mean, that's what it was. I mean, how many, you got to get your top blue chip athletes to play hockey. Um, that's why Hudson, you know, it's not as big as, you know, but they've, they've, they've built such a program that, you know, if you want to make a name for yourself in Hudson and what high school kid doesn't, you know, what kid doesn't want to, you know, make a name for himself, be a big shot in town, you play hockey. Um, that's where you, that's, it, it's the, the, the programs that have, you know, developed over the years and done that. I mean, back when we moved to Antigo, um, it was football. Uh, I mean, they had the t-shirts, you know, you haven't played football until you've played Antigo and, you know, everybody, everybody played football. Um, but, uh, again, that moved our, you know, they'd built a decent program there and had gotten a lot of kids to come out for hockey. That seems to have, uh, fallen to the wayside lately. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's all a matter of getting those top athletes to play, to play hockey. I'm going to quiz burglar. He'll get the answer, right? 1997, Anago lost the state championship game to Sun Prairie. Yep. Which blue chip athlete were they missing from hockey? Bobby Cornelius. That is exactly correct. He wanted to play. His parents didn't want him to play. His parents parents thought there was just too much commitment for the whole youth program and stuff. But he was, he wanted, they didn't want to be a great hockey player. Yes. He was a mean ass defenseman. Yes. Now, quick question for you. I also know that, you know, some of the players that don't make the Hudson varsity team do end up playing on, on the, I see Hudson had a midget U18 team. Now does Hudson run a JV? I'm sure they do. Hudson has a varsity team, a JV team, and enough hockey players left over to field a Waha U18 midget team. I, I mean, it just shows you how, you know, that, area embraces hockey just also shows you the development that they have there and you know from coaching i know they have a facility there and i still think them being just that far away from the twin cities they can get access to um things over there that uh can make them better hockey players when, when we were in hudson for their hockey fights cancer day you know we talked to davis joiski and he's you know he said in the past Hudson used to lose some of their best players to Minnesota, various twin city schools, um, private schools or open or they, you know, they would lose hockey players to Minnesota. And he said, these days, generally speaking, they're not, they're staying home. They're playing in Hudson. Um, and I think to be perfectly honest, Davis Drewiski, and I don't mean Davis Drewiski as Hudson high school hockey coach. I mean, Davis Drewiski as hockey player is a big reason for that. 
He played four years of high school hockey. He went and did his time in the juniors, played with the Badgers, won a national title, and went to the NHL. Um, and if you look at uh, the Davis Drewiski Award, uh, you know, we've given it 10 years now. Two guys who won it previously are still playing juniors. Um, Max Giblin has won it twice. He's still playing high school hockey. Well, he just finished. Um, but the other six guys or seven guys who won it, um, two of them played Division Three. The other five played Division One hockey. Um, I think Davis Drewiski is a big reason why people in Hudson, um, the hockey people, aren't moving to, to the Twin Cities anymore. He showed that you can stay in Wisconsin. You can still get those opportunities. You, the, if you're good enough, the scouts will find you. Uh, and, and it's working out. You know, I, I've, I pointed out on Twitter last month that in my mind, Eau Claire and Hudson are the two model hockey associations in the state. Um, as far as Eau Claire would fall into the big city model at 65,000, as far as hockey associations go and Hudson in the, in the mid, the smaller to mid-sized city model, that's Hudson. Uh, I don't know who the model association would be for, you know, the, the tiny towns, probably Eagle River, but you know, they're the two model associations in the state. And I think you see that year in and year out with the fact that one of the two Eau Claire schools or, you know, both of them, uh, like it was this year, uh, and Hudson are just constantly ranked at the top of the state. Did, was it you who posted um, at some level that uh, the top four teams in the uh, is the Bantam level were all uh, Big Rivers Conference teams? I think it was uh, Amory Hockey shared that to our Twitter feed uh, when I someone had someone had dug up my my tweet from a couple of years ago the 2018 2019 season when because uh, squirts and bantams play their state tournaments the same weekend hudson for division or class one or division one whatever waha calls it won all seven state tournaments three bantams and four squirts uh for for class one yeah i think uh, someone, uh, you, someone dug up you were that close tweet mj or you just you, it was the top four teams are all in section one section yes. one yeah it wasn't all okay. big rivers because superior and spash were in there along with yeah. Oh, Claire and okay. Hudson. You're they, right. they were all in section one this year. Yeah, they were they were all in section one this year. The top four, uh, I believe it was Bantam 1A teams. Um, you know, had, had MJ been right, it would have been a clean sweep for the Big Rivers Conference. Doesn't on Alaska girls play in the Big Rivers Conference? Or no, no they're, they're independent. independent. No. Oh, okay, and never no. mind. I'll go back to sleep. <laughs> but you um, one thing I will say, you know, as, as we're wrapping up the season here, uh, we were, you know, lucky to have three good games for state title games this season. Um, throughout the year, you know, we've, we've had some very interesting games and, you know, and we've all got to talk to, you know, coaches and different players. And once again, you know, that, that makes for a fun season and burglar, you brought it up at our awards. You know, it was great to be back in the ranks this year. Absolutely. Yeah, not not just championship games, but really there was only one dull game out of the nine. Um, you know, uh, Hudson just you know choking the life out of out of U school. Um, that that game really wasn't all that 
exciting to watch. Um, but the, the rest of the games were all good hockey games. Keep an eye on that USM team. They got a lot of freshmen and sophomore on that team. Well, we never expect USM to be down long, and they're not down. They were at the state tournament. It's just that they ran into – you know, I haven't been to every state tournament since Wisconsin Prep Hockey started doing this, but I've been to a lot of them. They have ran into, in my mind, the strongest defensive team that's been down there. Uh, Not necessarily the strongest offensive team that's been down there, although they are quite strong offensively, but Hudson is the strongest defensive team that I think I've ever seen. Yeah, that's, they're pretty suffocating, no doubt about that. Um, final thoughts, guys. Anything you want to hit on? Something I want to mention here. It's kind of – it's not high school hockey, but it's youth hockey. Congratulations to Fond du Lac uh, Squirt 1A. Ran the table this season. How do you do that? I mean, you're talking what nine and nine and eight, nine, ten year olds, and you win every single game. Man, when I was of. a squirt, we'd have been happy to run the table on a weekend, <laughs> let yes. alone the entire season. Yes. If we got second place or even won a consolation championship, we were happy. But I what an accomplishment. I mean, for a squirt one A team to go undefeated I mean well you know what the future holds for that group as they you know start coming up the ladder but uh for this year that's pretty impressive yeah yeah that is pretty impressive um that's really about the only thing I had to hit on um senior class tournaments weekend and um Coming up in April, we'll have the uh, Minnesota Showcase. We'll see how the, the things break down for that, but you know we'll be keeping an eye on those things on the website. Guys, anything else you want to hit on? You know, I have a question. Why are the Waha Tier 1 playoffs in the state tournament the same weekend? Is that always the case? It always has been the case. They tried um, one year uh, just to see if it would make a difference. It was three or four years ago. They decided to um, push the the Waha uh, tournaments back weeks. There were no Waha tournaments the weekend of the state tournament. It It made no difference on attendance whatsoever. I wasn't really thinking about attendance, but like, did like Team Wisconsin guys that played in the high school state tournament play for Team Wisconsin yeah. in the Waha yeah. 18U? Okay. If they were, Team if Wisconsin, they were done. Team Wisconsin throttled the Caps and Junior Admirals eight to nothing and seven to nothing. Oh, those were already last weekend? Yeah. Eight, 18U. That was always the weekend. That, that one was always the weekend after. Yes, but they moved it to this year, I guess. I would guess. I would guess then that the regular AAA teams got them to move that so that the state tournament teams wouldn't players wouldn't be able to participate. Possible. Not possible. Likely. 
the yeah the 18s possible. and 16s they both did well 15s did well well cuz that 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 the that, uh, the tier 1 tournament was always the weekend after yeah, yeah cuz it seemed that's like that's, that's what if i remember correctly they would go on the the sunday after the state tournament I remember people saying we got to go out to you know wherever we got to go to a TW practice. Yes, and then the the TW players would be missing from the uh, senior class tournament because that, that was the same weekend as the state tournament for Oaxaca. Okay. Yes. Yes, the uh, senior class tournament was. What, what about three weeks later? Well, it's very sometimes it was like when 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 Bob played, it was the following weekend, like it is this year. Okay. It's moved. Yeah, that one has been less consistent in its date. That one jumps around. So the the boys senior class tournament is next weekend. This upcoming yes. weekend then? Okay. Tryouts are tonight and tomorrow. Too late for this podcast to help you. <laughs> And the girls, coach should have told you that the girls junior senior tournament is the following weekend. Where's that at, Dell? Oh, uh, I, ju- I just had it up. Well, don't, don't they usually hold that at Chippewa Falls? Um, yes, it will be at Chippewa Falls on the weekend of March 19th and 20th. Good guess, MJ. I'm right about some things, I guess. Uh, one other thing we can throw out here quick before we uh, get out of here. Where's the state tournament going to be held at next year? I guess we'll all find Panther out about the same Arena time. in Milwaukee. I know that's what? one that they said they're looking at. Junior, what'd you say? It's the UW Panther Arena in Milwaukee. How big is that? It's about the same as the Align Energy Center. It was built two years earlier. Uh, it's been renovated more heavily more recently. The admirals play there. They said, talking to um, what one of the coaches just before our awards, he was saying that they would actually probably, uh, you know, how they had the black tarps up there at the energy center. They do that and close off the upper bowl and keep everybody down in the lower bowl part, probably but it circles the entire rink. Wonder uh, yeah, if for there's... the maximum at Panther is 12,700, but configured for ice hockey, it's 9,600. So you're going to a bigger facility. I mean, I, I, haven't, I haven't been there since almost 30 years. I mean, that's just I don't a know guess. What... I mean, I know they're looking at several options. That's just my guess because I would like it to be at the rush center. And so that means it's not going to be at the rush center. And the girls state basketball tournaments at the rush center this weekend. Right. And they, they can't, from what I've heard in the past is they can't guarantee availability of the ice. um, The weekend before that, the girls state tournament because of the other things that they have going on there, they cannot guarantee that the ice will always be available. So that would, that would prohibit the WIA from making that move if the ice you know, wasn't guaranteed to be available. 
because we don't want to move the tournament to somewhere for like a year and then move it to somewhere else for a year. And that we don't, I mean, we'd like it to have a new home this year to me. And I've always been someone who kind of defends the Alliant energy center. Like I don't want the tournament to be played here there, but like this year, it kind of felt like the Alliant energy center didn't want the tournament to be played there. Um, Other than the fact they actually made the place cold for a change, like colder than it's ever been (laughs) is what everybody said. Um, which probably helped the ice, which probably helped the ice, but you know, just certain things are on the arena and certain things are on the WIA, like the shirts and stuff not being available at the arena and you have to buy them online. That's a WIA decision, but the various, I'll I'll say that was a poor decision on their part. And the very, but the various food vendors that are generally there and, and stuff like that, that's an arena decision. And, um, only having two concession stands open in the whole building, uh, just ridiculously long lines, very few options. The pizza place wasn't there. The sandwich place wasn't there. That's all arena stuff. And to me, it just kind of felt like this is the last year of our contract and I don't think we want it again. It's, that's how it felt to me as a spectator. Uh, well, I, 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 I'm also not one to, to stick up for the Alliant Energy Center, but that might also be a staffing issue. There are a lot of places that can't find people. Uh, maybe the, the the rocket was Rocky Rococo. Maybe they didn't have anybody to send out there. Maybe Milio's didn't have anybody to send out there. I don't know. That is possible. Because the yeah. I mean the 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 Dane County just ended their, you know, they, they just ended their mask restriction. You know, they 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 were a lot tougher down there than they were up here, you know, the whole COVID thing. So they just may not have had anybody available from those other places to be there that's all they could staff perhaps mj yes i just i just emailed a link that you can actually see kind of what the uw panther arena looks like yep i got it unfortunately when they give you the virtual tours with the basketball court in there not the hockey rink yeah um But, you know, there's there's possibilities. There's, you know, there's still people trying to get the, the girls' tournament separated from the boys, um, which would put it at and try to put it at Le Bon. Um, attendance-wise, the girls' tournament would fit at Le Bon. Uh, depending on which D1 schools make it, the boys' tournament might be able to fit in Le Bon. For D1, D2, none of those, three of those four teams would have filled Le Bon by themselves. But what they lose so capacity at Lebon's only two thousand people. They they lose their parking revenue. Who does? The WIAA, from what I understand, gets a little bit of, from the parking revenue with it at Alliant Energy Center when they have the tournament there. Yeah. And there's no place to get parking revenue for the Lebon. Well, I, 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 I don't think that's going to be a major factor for the WIAA. I think their, their major factor is getting all of the championship games televised. And the only way they're going to get, um, I mean, if they make the girls tournament a separate tournament, it ain't going to be on TV. Um, I, yeah, I, don't, I just, the, the numbers... You know, at the beginning of the season, I asked Todd Clark to go back past the 
ignore last year, the COVID year, go back to the previous year and how many participants were there in each of the WIA winter sports and girls hockey was by far the smallest. It was like 759 participants. Um, it's really hard to justify spending the, the kind of money on airtime that, what is it, seven stations across the state carry the WIA championships for a, a sport that's got 759 students in it. I mean, girls basketball is 10,000 uh, and girls hockey is 759. Um, yeah, so the so only I think the only way they're all going to be on TV is if they're all on the same weekend. And that, and that again is that that's the you know how everybody wants to have you know eight division one teams on the boys side, and then it's how do you fit you know four more games into uh, you know the weekend. Do we yeah, really need so we really need issue. eight division one teams. Yeah, would, would would that make the term? tournament more complete if we had eight division one teams that's what everybody the, wants yes if you have you not been and, paying and look at it and look at it this way the boys sections are actually bigger now than they were when we had eight division one it was all one division and we had eight sections they're actually a little bigger now the, the road to madison is actually harder for the division one schools now that there's two divisions okay especially uh Section one. Yeah. Uh, if we had eight, you know, the big rivers schools would probably still all be together, but um, in the past Hudson and, and Eau Claire weren't in the same section. Uh, you know, it, it's, yeah, it, it spreads things out a little better. And I think as far as hockey goes, uh, I think the boys deserve it. And eight teams is kind of what a standard hockey tournament is anyway. I mean, we've been playing eight team tournaments our whole lives. Uh, the, the coaches have always wanted eight and four. Um, and I think, I think the WIA has two concerns when it comes to the state tournament. One, they want the championship games televised. And two, at some point, I think they'd like uh, the coaches and all the fans to stop yelling at them about the venue. Well, they're in control of that. Well, they're mean... in semi-control. They're not in total control of that. Like, it's like their if call. the rush, if yeah, but if the rush center can't guarantee the ice, then the WIA is not in control of that. The WIA can't force ice into the building. They don't have their own rink. And at the Alliant Energy Center, they were under contract, so they can't just move it. Now the contract is over. Now they can do something. Um, and we'll we'll see what that is. But like, if the rush center can't guarantee the ice, WIA can't control that. They don't own the building. They can't force it on them. And there's only. Only so many arenas in the state large enough to actually host it without shrinking the number of tickets available. Because, you know, I, I was talking to one of the, the old man hockey players we play with last night, and he thinks Lebon is large enough to host the state tournament. It is not. And, and I don't. I think it's large enough to host the girls' state tournament, and it's large enough to host the D1 games that have two private schools playing in them. Uh, just based on the attendance I've seen over the years, but the division two games all had more people than Lebon can hold easily. Um, the rice rice Lake had to have 1500 people there. Rice Lake only has 1500 people. You know, Lakeland had more than a thousand people there. Lebon only holds 2000 people. You can't have 
this tournament in this format in Lebanon. Um, so that removes Lebanon out. That really only leaves um, the Kohl Center, which is not going to happen because that place is even bigger than the Align Energy Center, and bigger is not what we need right now. So remove the Kohl Center. That leaves Resh and UW Panther Arena and Fiserv, which no. No. So there's really the only two choices, unless you want to shrink attendance, are the Resh Center and UW Panther Arena or stay where we're at. Unless the WIA wants to build a rink, a nice 8,000 person hockey rink. In They're Wisconsin not in the Rapids. building business. Someone needs to build a nice 8,000 person hockey rink in Wisconsin Rapids. Okay. Move the admirals there. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm out of stuff. I want to say thank you to everybody we talked to this year. Um, Burglars mentioned it a couple times on the podcast, but it was really nice to be back in hockey rinks this year. And um, it felt a little weird, uh, almost like, you know how like you run into a veteran and almost all of us reflexively say, thank you for your service. And, you know, I've heard veterans say that they don't want us to actually do that oftentimes because it feels like a reflex. I feel like every time I talk to somebody or email with somebody, they're always saying, thank you for everything you do for high school hockey. And I'm like, you don't have to say that every time we talk. Every time I trade an email with you, you don't have to say that. You can stop. Um, so, But like our interactions with everybody this year, uh, almost entirely, like 99% have been positive. Um, and it was really great uh, to be back in ranks, to, to be um, doing game recaps and, and, and doing stuff like that again. Um, it, it was really, it was really fun this year. Um, last year, uh, Wisconsin pro hockey felt like even though we did less because there was less season to do and we couldn't go to games uh, it felt like work and this year it felt like fun that's, that's a good, a good way to put it last year last year seemed like kind of a chore um, yeah this year that we went, we went up to that game in Lakeland uh, where Amory was playing up there and that place was just alive I went to the game over in, in Eau Claire Hudson um, and, and Oakland Memorial, and they, they had a band there the whole game playing, and each team had a huge student section. It was just, just like I remember high school hockey used to be. It was it was fantastic. Um, and again, I have to thank all all the people who sent us donations. Um, uh, well, two two pieces of good news. I mean, one one we got enough to cover our basic expenses there, and, and two we just checked our our ad revenue stream. Um, and it seems like we've got everything, uh, working again, uh, on, on the site, uh, so that ad revenue is coming in. So we shouldn't have to do this again next year, uh, in terms of, of begging for donations, but thank you for getting us through this year, which was a, a tough year for us. Um, financially, we didn't think uh, spending all that money on redesigning the website was going to lead to us making no money on the website. <laughs> It was, it was supposed to be an enhancement, um, but we, 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 apparently we, we missed one key aspect when we were working with, with Sports Engine. We, you know, we forgot to tell them that, you know, make sure you put all of our ads back in there. Uh, we need those. But anyway, they, they did get them back in. So 
um, that's flown against. We should be okay going forward. So thank you who helped us get through this year. Um, it's been fun. Did you, did you want to mention something about our awards for the D2 next year? Oh, yes. Um, 11, I think, of our 15 boys finalists this year were Division I players. And it's very possible that the five best players at each of those positions were Division I, you know, 11 were Division I players. But um, we think there's enough great hockey players out there, and uh, it's easy for players at smaller schools to get overlooked. Uh, so next year we are going to go two divisions with our forward defense and goaltender awards for the boys. Um, right now that's the Pavelski, Drewiski, and Dobbin Speck awards. Uh, those will remain as our division one awards. And we will be looking for three new players uh, to, to contact, get their permission uh, to name division two forward defense and goalie awards after. Uh, if you are from one of those small schools, one of those division two schools, if you've got a player who came up through your youth, youth program, played at your high school and went on to play college hockey and hopefully beyond, um, let us know. And, and we'll, we'll take a look at the names. We'll take a look at anybody you send us and um, you know, we'll, we'll make some choices on who they'll be and we'll contact them if we can. And, you know, we'll go down the list until, until somebody bites um, you know, if you're, if you're looking for, you know, what we're looking for, um, there was a player from Northland Pines, uh, in the, the late eighties, early named nineties named Sean Carter played at Northland Pines high school, went on to play with the Badgers. Uh, after the Badgers, he played in the AHL and the IHL. Uh, the IHL was the other NHL minor league until 2001 or 2002. Uh, and then he went and played in Europe, um, long professional career he didn't retire until like 2009 or something like that um you know that's that's the kind of player we're looking for um you know close to burglar's heart would be joe Pascula from anago uh you know played four years in anago after he was done there he wouldn't play juniors then he was a badger for four years uh maybe three years i forget won the national title in in 2006 with pavelski and drewiski uh, and then he was uh, on the Kings with Drewiski. Um, was in the IHL or the AHL for many years before going and playing in Europe. Um, long professional career for Joe. So those are the kind of players we're looking for. We know the ones that you know were close to us, where where we lived. But there's there's hockey players all over the state that we don't know. So um, if you've got any of those, just send them in. Uh, tell us you know where they're from, what school they went to. Uh, we should be able to find them on, you know, the various hockey sites, hockey DB, elite prospects, that kind of thing. Um, and then, you know, we'll, we'll add them to the list and, and see who we come up with. Especially goalies. For some reason, and Wisconsin goalies don't seem to get any respect out there. Um, so, you know, if there was a goalie uh, from your town, your high school, small school, uh, went on, played college hockey, went on, and played professional, whatever beyond that. Let us know because we we don't know about that many goalies. And there's there's one goalie that we do know about that we certainly do not want to name an award after. No. Ooh, no, not at all. That would be bad. Uh, and it just, as we're specifically looking for small school players, the, the those teams that are that are Division Two now. Um, you know, oh my goodness, <laughs> we there if we, if we were just you know grabbing more D1 players out of the hat, 
there's, you know, there's a lot more Eau Claire players we can add to the list. Uh, MJ would love it to name an award after Jefferson Dahl. MJ would probably love to name two or three. I heard from him today. Jefferson Dahl. Exactly. <laughs> I heard from Jefferson Dahl today. Oh, uh, you know. MJ was begging him for a jersey. We don't. No, we don't. We don't uh, no, no, no. <laughs> we don't need to name an award after Bob Suter. Uh, no offense to the Suter family. He's got enough stuff named after him. Um, you know, How'd you guys like we, my we, story about Jefferson Dahl's jersey? That was pretty good. Uh, so we're <laughs> specifically looking for those small school players. Okay. I got one last thing. Uh, on With what Junior was saying about thanking veterans, uh, I will say that when I'm told thank you, I just uh, say it was my, my honor and privilege to serve our country. Uh, the ones that deserve our thanks are the ones that didn't come home and their families. We, those are the ones we need to remember. Uh, with that being said, uh, if your son or daughter played high school hockey in Wisconsin and went on to serve in the military, please send me an email. Um, I have a project in mind uh, to work on going into next season. Uh, and I had reached out to the rest of the staff here and they, they were all on board with it and it is something that if your son or daughter played high school hockey for wisconsin and went on to serve in the military uh please get in touch with me thank you even his emails at the end say thank you i've noticed that guys should we put a bow on it well i just just one more thing i have to say um, you know, if, if, if you've liked the coverage and stuff that we've, we've done this year and, uh, all that, then great. Thank you. If you have any complaints or, you know, don't like it, uh, <laughs> please send your hate mail to trash here at Wisconsin prep hockey.net. We make sure that still gets forwarded to him. And he'll take care of the problem right there. <laughs> okay. I guess that's it. Last call. And for uh, Bill and Bill Jr., Dell, I'm Mike Hammett. We'll see you next season in November on This Week in Wisconsin Prep Hockey. <laughs>